Samuel's story, it begins with Hannah's story. Uh, Hannah was Samuel's mom. Uh, she was from the hill country of Ephraim, and she was married to Elkanah. Elkanah was a, a devout man who loved the Lord, and, and, and Hannah was too. And Elkanah loved Hannah, but, but Hannah, uh, she didn't have any children, and that was really distressing to her. Um, in fact, that was a, a, a big deal in, in their culture, um, uh, to not be able to have kids. Uh, I, I read in, in one place where it says that, that the Israelites kind of had a, a, a terror of childlessness. Um, and so it, it was common that you know, if the couple couldn't have kids, that they would get the servant and let the servant give it a go. And that's one of the reasons why we'll encounter stories in the Bible uh, like that. You know, the, the story of Abraham and Sarah and uh, the story of, of um, Jacob and, and of Rachel. And so, they, uh, Elkanah's second wife was Peninnah. Uh, you know, because of that reason. And Panina, um, she wasn't ever really nice to Rachel, or not Rachel, but to Hannah. And she, like, had all kinds of children. She had lots of sons and daughters. Um, and there was kind of this uh, real struggle. Well, every year, uh, they, would, they would go up to, to Shiloh to, to make a sacrifice and, and to worship. Now, uh, there was a, a, a sacred shrine in Shiloh. In fact, there were lots of shrines in, in Israel during those days, but the most important one um, was in, in Shiloh, because in Shiloh, that's where they kept uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Um, and at the time, it was believed that the tent of meeting there, like that was the actual tent from Moses and Aaron's wilderness days. And so they would go and they would um, offer their, their sacrifices. Elkanah would make the sacrifices and, and offer them to the Lord. And then he would give portions to um, his wife Peninnah and to all of her sons and daughters. And it says that he gave Hannah a double portion uh, because he loved her. But every year when they would go up to, uh, to worship at the sacred shrine, uh, Peninnah would, would just torture Hannah. She would um, just aggravate her and, and provoke her and, and made life miserable for Hannah and so one year she just Hannah just gets up from the table and and um, and, and, and she's weeping and, and she's just distressed and she she wouldn't eat and so Elkanah comes to her and was just like you know uh, Hannah darling that's kind of my paraphrase um, you know what's wrong like like why are you weeping why uh, are, are you so sad why won't you eat like am I not enough uh, am I not like ten sons to you? Like, no. Um, so Hannah gets up, you know, from the the feast, and and she goes into the, to the presence of the Lord. She goes to pray. Uh, she she goes into the tent, and she just falls before the Lord, and she's just bitterly distressed, uh, and and she's weeping, and she's just pouring out her soul to God, and and the old priest Eli. Eli and, and his sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, they were the, they were the keepers of, of this sacred shrine. And 
um, Eli notices her and she's praying and she's not saying anything, but she's just mouthing these prayers. And like he thinks that she's drunk with wine. And so, so Eli goes and, and rebukes her and, and says, you know, this is a disgrace. Put away your wine. And Hannah defends herself. And she's like, you know, I, I am not drunk. Uh, she's just pouring out her soul to God, and she pours out her soul to, you know, to, to Eli. And in her uh, distress, um, she's just crying out in pain. And you know, like her, her deep anxiety and, and her vexation, it's, it's kind of this cry out to God, like, like, where are you? Where are you in my suffering? And I think that, you know, a lot of times... Um, we can feel that way too. Like we wonder where God is um, in, in our circumstances. Our circumstances can be so tough um, and, it, and it just just seems like God is so far away. And now that's a theme that emerges in the Bible a lot, like in the Psalms. Psalm 22 um, is probably one of the greatest examples because right out of the gate, they say it's a Psalm of David. In Psalm 22 verse 1, it goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from my groaning? You know? and, and that might be familiar to you because those are the words that Jesus cried out on the cross. Uh, when Jesus was being crucified, it says that at about noon, everything just became dark. And Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, lava samachthani, like, why have you forsaken me? Like, where are you? Like, sometimes um, God can, can just seem uh, so distant and so far away that we feel like God has abandoned us. I've talked to people over the years of ministry where um, they become so angry with God and, and they, they give up on God. And, and they'll say to me something like, you know, um, I don't have time for God anymore. I don't go to church anymore because God let my father die of cancer or because God hasn't healed me of this sickness, or because God let this financial devastation happen, or um, I've, I've prayed to God for my addiction and God's never shown up and God's never done anything, and um, it can push us away. Hannah didn't do that. Uh, in, in her suffering and in her agony, she didn't run away from God. Uh, she ran toward God. Uh, she went to the sanctuary. She went to that secret place, that, that quiet place. And, and in that place, uh, she found peace. What is it that we need to find uh, when we go to, to that quiet place? I, I love the quiet that the snow brings. It reminds me of, of uh, walks in the snow um, when I was just a little kid, like with my mom and dad and my brothers, and it would be late at night and the, the the snow would be falling on the, the, the soft light of the, of the street light. And I just remember feeling in awe at the beauty, but also, even though it was so cold around us, feeling so loved um, and, and so warm, and, and there was just such peace. That's what we find in the quiet place. Even if God doesn't give us the answer we're looking for, even if God doesn't heal us or make everything just perfectly right, like, like we expect or want, God does give us peace. And it's a peace that oftentimes we can't really understand. It doesn't make any sense. It's that peace that, that passes all understanding.
Now, Samuel's story begins with, now the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and uh, visions were not widespread. So it's kind of like God was quiet. Samuel uh, was ministering in the house of the Lord, and um, he ministered under the tutelage of Eli, um, the old priest. And it says that he would, he would sleep in the temple. He would sleep in the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was. I thought that was interesting. I also wondered what that was like. I wondered uh, if that would be spooky. Well, one night, God calls out to Samuel, and Samuel's just a boy. And he says, Samuel, Samuel. Well, Samuel, he doesn't recognize God's voice. And so he goes running to where, uh, to where Eli is sleeping. And Eli is like, I didn't call you, so go back to bed. So he goes back. It happens again. Samuel runs to Eli. And uh, Eli's like, it wasn't me. The third time when Samuel comes to Eli, um, then Eli finally gets what's going on. And so he says to to Samuel, uh, the next time uh, you need to say this. And so the fourth time, um, God calls Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel does what Eli told him to do. And he says, um, speak, for your servant is listening. Uh, You know, I think it can be that way with us too. Like sometimes it's hard for us to recognize God's voice when God's voice comes. But, you know, God is patient with us, just like in this story. And, and I think also uh, we have people like Eli um, who have great wisdom and can kind of uh, help show us the way. Well, God speaks to Samuel and God says, What I am about to do in Israel will make both ears tingle. Like, it's this... Um, kind of word of, of judgment you know a lot of the uh, a lot of the prophets call stories they'll they'll start with you know something personal you know something a, a little more intimate like you know before you were born while you were in your mother's womb God says to Jeremiah um, you know I, I called to you I knew what I, I knew what your life was going to be and, and so on you know but not with not with Samuel um, his just begins with this, with this story of judgment. It's judgment on, on the house of Eli. Such judgment that both ears will tingle. And, you know, Eli's sons, it says they were scoundrels. The Bible actually says that they were scoundrels. Like they had no regard for the Lord. Uh, they had no regard for their duties as, as priests to the people. They would take the best pieces of meat for themselves. Um, they, they would take advantage of the women at the, at the entrance of the tent. I mean, it was, it was really bad. You know, when I think about Samuel's story, I think about the courage that's required. I mean, it takes courage to be in that place where God is. Uh, it takes courage to listen to what God has to say, but also we see that it takes courage to act on it, too. It says that that, that Samuel couldn't go back to sleep. Like, he, he lay awake until morning because he was, he was afraid uh, of what he had to say to Eli. Uh, he was afraid, you know, to, to say that, 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 that judgment 
is coming on your house. But you know, sometimes both ears tingle. I, I was sad when, when Desmond Tutu died. He was 90. Um, he died the, the day after Christmas. Uh, Desmond Tutu, um, a, as you know, was um, an Anglican uh, priest or bishop and uh, a great theologian. Um, he was huge uh, in the fight against apartheid and, um, you know, uh, human rights and all, uh, equal rights. Uh, well, uh, Krista Tippett, uh, she has a podcast called uh, On Being. Um, she, she had Desmond Tutu on, on her podcast, and in that conversation, you know, this uh, talking about his life and um, what it was like to be in, in South Africa uh, when, when he was a teenager and stuff like that. Uh, at one point in, in, in that conversation, he, he talked about uh, how the Bible is, is such dynamite and that he would, he would often say, you know, like if white people wanted to, to keep back black people under, like they should never have given them the Bible because the Bible like just speaks specifically to the situation. And so Chris, Krista Tippett pushed a little bit and, and just said, well, what's the, what's the, the first time you remember uh, dis- discovering that the Bible was like dynamite? And um, so he's like, well, just kind of like right out of the gate, you know, um, uh, that with, with this, um, this idea with apartheid, wanting to keep people under and, and wanting t- people to believe that um, they, they weren't as, as valuable as, uh, as other people, like uh, that, that you're that your value was based on things that really don't matter, like like skin color and ethnicity. But the Bible uh, says that we were created in the, the image of God, that, that, we're, uh, that, that we're God carriers. Like, uh, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't ma- matter how bad it is. It doesn't um, matter, um, you know, uh, all of what those dynamics are. Um, you don't ever have to, uh, to believe that you're not valuable. Like, the story that we're that we're created by God, that intrinsic worth, and that the Bible has that kind of power. And so he talked about his his he was a, a bishop already, but he served this little church in in Soweto, and he says that that the members of his congregation were, um, you know, um, not very not very well educated folks, but they were hardworking people, and um, that he would climb into the pulpit and he would say, "Mama," and then, and he says, "Well, you know, like." Um, in, in South Africa, the employers would never call people by their African names. They would say, you know, they're, they're too hard to, to pronounce. And so most African women would be called uh, Annie and, and most black men would, would be called boy. And um, uh, Desmond Tutu would stand in the pulpit and, and say to his people, he would say, uh, when, when someone uh, asks uh, who you are, you say, me? Why? I'm a child of God. I'm created in the image of God. I'm God's partner. I'm a God carrier. And Tutu said that uh, on that occasion when, when, when they left the church, those old ladies, uh, it was as if they were on cloud nine, like their, their backs stood a little bit straighter. God says through the prophet Jeremiah, if you seek me with all of your heart, I will let you find me. And when we find God, both ears tingle. In one ear, the the tingle uh, of injustice and our call to do something about it. And in the other ear, the tingle of God's voice saying, 
I have called you by name, and you are mine. Thanks be to God. Amen.